Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Jewish Divorce Project. I'm your host, Noam Rauscher. And I'm your host, Liron Tal. Join us as we kvetch and kvel about Judaism and divorce. From our perspective as two Jewish professionals and two divorce coaches. And two Jewish parents with lots of experience and plenty of opinions. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Jewish Divorce Project. It's good to be here with you. Did you know that not only am I trying really hard to sit in the right place so that uh, the microphone picks me up well and that I'm not dodging it, but that the camera also sees me and I feel like human origami that I've just been squeezed into this (laughs) tight place. But also, did you know that this is our, more importantly, I should say, our season finale? Oh, yeah. It's our season finale. And I didn't even, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what season this is. I've always had difficulty tracking it. So you can look on Podbean and it's it's either five or six. We're marking this, right? LT, Liron Tal. um, Season. Season, right. Season finale. Uh, So yeah, you're right. It's it's Liron's first season. So, um, but this is our season finale and it's wonderful to be here. We're going to have a great conversation uh, later coming up with uh, Kate Anthony, author of The D Word. uh, And we're going to tell you a little bit more about that later on in our conversation. But welcome back. Exactly, Roan. Uh, how was Hanukkah for you? It's finally over. Oh, it was. The, I felt like the longest Hanukkah ever. I mean, I I love Hanukkah, but eight nights is overkill. It's a long time, really. When <laughs> it's you think a little about bit it. of an overkill. Yeah, and then I hosted a Hanukkah party, and I uh, did it on the ninth night. I know. I noticed because <laughs> I wanted to have it on a. Friday night when no one like had to it. go to work the next day. I thought it was. Like, I thought was the title cool. of it, the after Hanukkah party. Yeah, it was after that was a party. great idea. Yeah, it was good. Um, it was a good vibe too. It's a good group of people. It was really awesome. nice to see that this is a community of yours that have stuck through like your kids growing up together and now you're still celebrating Hanukkah. It's really, it's really lovely. And I love it that yeah. so many of the friends that came that come every year are not sure. Jewish families at all. But oh, really? They, yeah, a lot of them. And they they they're the ones that reach out and they're like, You're having your party, right? Like yeah. this is their opportunity to celebrate Hanukkah. And oh, they're I didn't so know excited that. about it. Oh, that's really lovely. So, yeah. It's become like a Passover thing now where you invite <laughs> the non-Jews. Yes. It's our tradition. That's really cool. I didn't yeah. know that. Well, I got to say, I think that makes even more sense as to why you were pumping such like Hanukkah-laden music throughout the party, all the parodies and everything. And I was like, I got it. Like there was, I can't, I apologize. <laughs> I, said them your, all. <laughs> I said it to your friends, like there's not enough bourbon here in the world to make all this music tolerable. There was a lot of bourbon. <laughs> there was a lot of bourbon, but it still didn't help. It didn't help at all. No, I'm into didn't. all the cheesy Hanukkah yep. parody songs. Yeah, you are. Yep. Um, but that morning, I actually it was the day of my party too. I it was the planning wasn't so great, but I had my uh, monthly coffee and coaching that morning, which oh, was lovely. really nice too. Oh, good. Um, so that was great. Got to um, meet some new uh, women that I've been working with just online. So yeah. that was great. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? How was your weekend? Uh, it was good. You know, uh, every weekend is a slow march to the bar mitzvah. I talked about the soup buying process last time. Uh, my son is really uh, looking forward to it. You know, uh, he got some pictures of himself just kind of trying the suit on and seeing about all the pieces put together. And he loves it. He feels so incredibly proud of himself that uh, I can't but sheb nachas, as they say. Right? I, I feel like a uh, overflowing um, water fountain of love and emotion and and sometimes it's tough. I mean, there's a, actually a lot of anxiety there. Um, at, like, I feel for him. I worry about him. That's really what it is. And, and like, how it's going to go on the day of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then admittedly, and I ran into a colleague today, and I was just chit-chatting with her, and the subject of his bar mitzvah came up. And she said, how are you doing on the inside? And I was like, I, I, I don't know if I look it, but, like, I'm a mess. 
it's just thinking about the day and being so proud of him and having my family there and reaching that milestone in such a surreal way. Like you don't even know how you got there to an extent. Um, and you know, my friend said something really nice to me. She says like, you also have to remember that this isn't a reflection of you. Right. And I said, I mean, as like a parent, she said also as a rabbi and she's right. Yeah. This isn't about you. You know, it's right. My kid is my kid. They're their their own person and he's going to do um, amazingly, and, and the only thing it's going to be is a reflection of him, right? And, 100%. and it really is his bar mitzvah. Um, and that way, that you know, hearing that said really gave full articulation to a way that I've been trying to feel about it, like in trying to kind of let go of some of this stuff. It's difficult because you don't always see it coming and you're not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really helpful. Uh, and of course, it came from a female colleague just being able to talk about like the nervousness of things and you know the emotional connection between not being us. able to control everything absolutely as well. Yeah. Sounds like you could use some good self care right now, which Kate talks a lot about. In her I, book. I, oh my god, I need and to the go to spiritual the spiritual self, not everything yeah. spiritual, mental, yeah. emotional. You need some good self care, I think. I, at the very least, I need that's to go all to you the can Cairo control. and get a massage. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm glad we have Kate here to talk about those things. Um, uh, particularly while you're going through divorce, which is not an easy thing. In her book, The D Word, uh, Kate touches on so many different aspects uh, of what goes on in women's lives, particularly leading up to divorce and the difficult decision-making process leading up to it, uh, and then also what they wrestle with in the process of going through the whole divorce. There's a lot to think about, uh, and Kate sheds wonderful light on that and creates a great space, I think, for women in that process, Mm. too. What do you think? Well, I mean... I can relate to so much of everything that she talks about, right. not only in her book and her podcast. Um, uh, it's it, it's interesting for me to see to hear your perspective as a sure. as a man because I really do relate to everything. Um, it must be tough yeah. to initiate divorce. So it's, I think it the statistic is. is, and I think and Kate will correct me hopefully, um, that seventy percent of all divorces are initiated by women. Do you fall into that statistic? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that in my situation, I wish, I wish I had this book. I wish I had this information right. before right. Um, and after, right after. But um, yeah, I think, I don't think people realize that making the decision is so grueling. Having those, I mean, it took me about four years of ignoring my, that inner voice, that inner critic, right? That, that voice that was telling me something's not right, something's not right. And um, actually making that decision is uh really hard very hard. especially if you're not on the same page we're going to hear a little bit more about that in our uh deep and extensive conversation with kate uh after this wonderful uh commercial matzah ball is the nation's number one holiday party and has been for over 37 years they throw holiday parties on christmas eve for jewish singles in cities all over the country in new york los angeles miami boca raton boston and washington dc for information on tickets, check them out at matzaball.org. All right, welcome back. So um, I get to introduce Kate. Uh, Kate Anthony is the author of The D Word, Making the Ultimate Decision About Your Marriage. She's the host of the critically acclaimed and New York Times recommended podcast, The Divorce Survival Guide Podcast, which I've been listening to for a long time. And the creator of the groundbreaking online coaching program, Should I Stay or Should I Go?, which helps women make the most difficult decision of their lives using coaching tools, relationship, education, geeky neuroscience, community support, and deep self-work. 
Kate is as certified as a domestic violence advocate, a co-parenting specialist, and a high-conflict divorce coach. Kate, we're so happy you're here. Thank you for being here. Oh, my gosh. Thank you guys for having me. Welcome, Thank welcome. you so much. Um, I want to go to the matzo ball. <laughs> We're going. You gonna come with us? Come on. I would love to. I would love to, except that um, my Jewish side did not win out, and so I have to <laughs> celebrate Christmas. And also, I'm having major surgery. On, oh no! Like on the 21st, so um, I can't go to the matzo ball. Well, we'll we'll represent. We'll let you know how it goes. I'm gonna dust off but my maybe uh, next year. Well, maybe. they do have other yeah. events, other fun events. Um. Well, like I said, I wish I had your book before. Um, I not because I think I would not we would not right. split up, not right. because I think it would change the script, oh, but no. it would make sure it would just have made it so made made it so much less painful, I think. So first of all, I, mean, I want to say Mazel Tov, congratulations on the book. Thank you so, so, so much. I mean, that's why I wrote it. I wrote it because I spent years agonizing over this. And you know, the uh, I, I've heard from I think my friend Susan said that the research, I don't know who does research like this, but basically the average is that we agonize over this for like four years. Oh, that's interesting. Yep, I heard that too. Yeah. I thought it was two, like four. Yeah. Okay. Years. It could be, I don't know. Right. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, right, it's years. Right. It, we are really struggling with this. Um, and so I really wanted to make it a little easier. <laughs> You know, it's like, it's not easy. It's never easy. But if you can sort of, I, I really wrote this book so that women mm -hmm. in particular can under, so, like recognize themselves in the stories that I tell um, really so that they can sort of fast, fast track the process. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. we don't have to agonize so much or feel so alone. Mm -hmm. Like when you're in it and you've never been through it before, it's all you like, it's all new, mm. right? It's all new to you. But from my perspective, I've heard thousands of stories over the last, you know, decade plus. Um, and I, I see themes, I see themes that recur through all of these. And so if I, so I tried to put all of those themes in one place so that women could go, Oh, mm -hmm. oh that's a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, it has a name. Oh, I'm not crazy. Yeah. Well, I think I think once one of the things that's so interesting is I I mean, I remember in my situation, um, I would get together with my friends and the women, a lot of women would just like complain about their husbands. You know, uh -huh. he doesn't right. do this, he doesn't do that, he's not here, he's not there. And I was like, Oh, okay, I guess all husbands suck. Like, I guess my it's not that bad. The normalization you know? certainly helps. And I uh, like I'm also curious, like how much of that is typical mm -hmm. complaining that we all do about yeah, but, versus like a reflection of the quality of the marriage. Yes. And so you you kind of, you know, you tap into that in, in the book when it's kinda of like, you know, oh, it's fine. It's not that bad. It's right, it's right. not as bad. Everyone else has it bad or, right. you know, that kind of Right. Right. Well, and I also really dive into like the cultural aspects of it because like if it's just marriage, mm. right? Like if it's just marriage overall, then I guess, you know, if I don't have it that bad, then whatever. Uh I may as well stay. Cause right. if the next person I marry is going to mm -hmm. be exactly the same story right. um, just because of the way we do marriage in Western culture. Yeah. Um, you know, all right, I guess this is it. To my mind, I so far have opted out of it entirely <laughs> because if that's the way it is, yeah. I don't, I would rather not be yeah. in it. Right. Um, and until we really 
shift a lot in terms of how we do marriage in Western culture. Um, there are a lot of people like something like 65% of divorced women say that they'll never get married again because ultimately mm -hmm. marriage benefits. I mean, overall, generally speaking, um, and I'm sure I would love to hear your perspective on this, Noam, but um, that marriage benefits men and it yep. benefits men on the backs of our labor. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're tired, we're exhausted. And then we sort of realize when we get out that like, oh, I actually, when I, as a divorced woman, right, I was, I, my son was three when I got divorced. He's 18 now, um, but he was three and I was doing a hundred, you're, you're a hundred percent on 50% of the time. That was great. <laughs> you yeah. know, like I was so much less tired because I was a hundred percent on 50% of the time. And when I was off, it was like nothing else was on me. Oh, the perks, nothing. Yeah. the perks of divorce. Yeah. <laughs> the vacation I just didn't mode. have to take, well, I just didn't have to. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, there's no, that. that but that's like, what I, I labeled it. Right. That, that's yeah. what I ended up learning. Mm -hmm. Right. But I also didn't have to take care of my husband. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So right. I felt like I had two toddlers in many respects. Again, no shade to men. This is just my experience and you. a lot of women's experiences. Right. I felt like I had two toddlers. And so, you know, and I had a dying dog and two dying cats. And it was like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to go away and take care of me. <laughs> yeah. And the one actual toddler. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because it's like you feel like I always say I didn't feel like I, he I had much of a co-parent when we were right. married. Right. And then all of right. a sudden now he has to be a co-parent right. and has to that's learn right. how to do that. And you have. But yeah. that's where that, I think women benefit from divorce more so. Men may benefit yeah. from marriage that's more, right. but I do well, think women really as, do, can benefit from divorce. Yep. As long sense. as we get good at saying I know you've never done this before, and I know it's always been my job. You're a really smart person. I'm sure you'll figure out how to do it, and then let right, go. Right, right, because because what hard tends to, do. to happen? Oh yeah, because we want to get in there. We're like, all right, fine. I'll get the present. I'll wrap it up. I'll drop it on your doorstep. Blah blah blah. We're like, right? Uh uh. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because here's the thing: most like we have to give people the dignity of growing. I mean, when I, when I got divorced, my, my husband didn't know how to do a lot of things. And I just sort of said, honey, I'm sure you'll figure it out. You're really smart. I'm sure you'll figure it out. And I gave him the dignity of figuring it out. And he did. And then some of those things he became better at than I was, mm -hmm. to be honest, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, that learning yeah. gap that you're talking about is huge and it's real. Um, many right. of the male clients that I end up coaching, right? One of the biggest gaps we end up talking about is how you end up caring for the kid, right? And dealing with the emotional, right? And the domestic labor that is in your household as a single dad at this point in your life. And you're coming to grips mm -hmm. with the fact that you realize that your ex did a lot of this stuff and you now have to make up for that gap and that deficit yourself. Uh, and I'm sure, right, that is part of how men are benefiting in their marriages uh, because of the patriarchal way that marriages have been set up uh, and the way that women typically feel that they have to contribute to their marriages in that way and caring for their husbands. Mm -hmm. Eve Rodsky talks yes. a lot about this. I must have 
I sound, I sound like a broken record talking about her on this podcast. People listening are thinking, is this a divorce podcast or Evrodsky's Rod, podcast? But my point is to say, Evrodsky should also come on the show. Yeah. Let me just say that. <laughs> um, but we're, You've plugged we're, enough. We're focused, we're, right. We're focused on Kate here, Kate Anthony and her book, The D That's Word. That's all right. Um, I, listen, I think, yeah, I think a lot of her work has is is great. Well, but I to mean, her point of like we, the division of domestic labor, right, is something that affects the quality of marriages, right? And the experience between men and women is very different in that way. Um, I'm also yeah. curious to know, and I appreciate your sensitivities. Um, you, you know, I, I am curious to know about the general marital experience in marriage, Right. And how they feel it is for them emotionally and if they're getting everything out of it that they really want and also how their careers play into that as well, because I don't think you can talk about marriage in this country, patriarchal system or not, without also talking about what's demanded of men as a distraction from their relationships. And that's the office. Mm -hmm. Right. And how that mm -hmm. can also be mm -hmm. a very isolating and soul crushing experience for the individual man and how that ends up coming back to the marriage. Right. So if we're going to talk about a patriarchal system hurting people, right? I think we have to talk about hurting the entire marriage as an institution and not just women, but like men as well as saying like it's impacting all of us. Um, and I don't think that mm. dismisses the, the oh. female experience, but I think it I, I think it enhances it for us knowing why the quality of our marriages yeah. are so poor, why so many marriages yes. end in divorce, right? And how maybe yeah. the modern workplace can also shift to make it a little bit easier for marriages in that way, well, whether I, it's better pay or better, well, better time off for new I mean, parents, whatever it yeah, is, I mean, but like listen, there's a lot. I, I, you know, I I say I think uh, in my book uh, and I talk all the time about the fact that the patriarchy is terrible for men as well as women right. like it's That's terrible exactly right. for women but oh my it's it's not good for anybody no. No. men the amount of pressure that men have you, right. you know they die at younger at the younger ages than we do because of the amount of stress that they're under the amount of emotional processing that they have to bypass because it's not culturally yep. um, acceptable for them to like have all these feelings right. and express them in the ways that we do. It's terrible for That's men. exactly right. Terrible and terrible for marriages. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So 100%. how do you, how do you think, uh, what do you see when it comes to non-heterosexual relationships oh. as we're talking about oh. this? Because we're talking very specifically yeah. about men and women. Sure. Yeah. Good question. Sure. Well, the, listen, like none of us gets out uh, of living in the patriarchy. Right. right. <laughs> like it's none true. of us. It's true. And so it impacts uh, homosexual relationships in different ways mm. and possibly not the same ways that it does uh, heterosexual relationships. But I've worked with a number of lesbians in my practice who have very same, very similar dynamics. There's always like someone um, takes this role and someone takes that role and you don't yeah, share the labor right. and this one's working in that. I mean, that's right. It's the same. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a division of, of gender, gender stereotype roles, mm -hmm. right? And roles are, roles are roles. They're not, they're not attached to a person necessarily. Right. But so we fall into these roles and the roles are really, I think, defined by patriarchy. And so we learn these things. We have grown up primarily in a heterosexual, um, you know, those of us who are Gen X, right? Like we've kind of grown up in a primarily heterosexual um, culture and it's shifting yeah. like now. It's amazing. Um, and it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in the next, you know, 30, 50 years. But you know, most, most of us who are adults at this point were raised 
in a predominantly heterosexual culture. That doesn't mean that everyone was heterosexual, but it was certainly mm -hmm. harder to be gay. It was harder to yeah. be out. Yeah. So there's a lot more suppression. Um, and so, you know, the relationships that were modeled to us were this dynamic, this patriarchal right. thing. So I don't think any of us, you know, gets out of this <laughs> without that impact. You know, you talk about impact, and that was one of the things that you addressed in your book, particularly through your concern for the children's experience in divorce. And so if you're like me, right, you feel things deeply emotionally, right? And then you're also Jewish and neurotic about things. And so, like, you worry about, like, <laughs> You're not how like a typical this... man. I, no, thank I appreciate you saying that. And I often realize this is why I don't fit in in a lot of places and why I don't really... I, I just have certain difficulties, but my point is to sit like more so than the average man. <laughs> but but um, you're in tune with your so, feelings. So like, and, thank you. Yeah. I'm in touch with myself. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm in tune yeah. with my feelings. Um, so I worry about my children's experience. You address that as well. Am I screwing up my kids? And, and what's inherently also tied to that is the guilt one feels in making the decision to have a divorce or to go through a divorce. And they inherently ask themselves the bridge question, which is, should I stay in the marriage for the sake of my kids? Which I also think is somewhat generational. Yeah, like I think our mothers, I think our mothers and our grandmother's generation would have shied away from the stigma Right. And also for financial reasons as well, because they were really dependent. Talk about the patriarchal influence and grip. Right. But they were really financially oh. dependent on their husbands. That's so right. divorcing was a real foolish idea in that way. Um, but also, like, think about how it's going to damage the kids is a real emotional guilt ridden thing that you kind of have to get over. You do a great job at citing the research about how kids are OK and about how the best thing that you can really hope for is to prioritize the kids needs and their and their well-being. And that's how you end up making it a relatively meaningful and positive positive experience for them, which is how they grow up to be healthy. The question I have is you yeah. seem to you seem to offer an either or scenario, which is to say either you have a healthy marriage, right, that produces healthy children, or you have an amicable divorce, which also produces healthy children. And I wonder, A, if there's something in the shade of gray of like, do you need to have to amicable divorce in order to have healthy children? But why is divorce the only alternative to having a happy marriage? And let me just back up. Or a happy, or a or a what healthy happy, relationship. What, what does happy for your and healthy children? look like, as well? Mm -hmm. Right, and like, does open marriage come in that way? I asked a lot of questions, and that's my fault. Uh, I yeah. apologize. No, 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 no. I think you did. You. Uh, so I want to make sure I understand what the where the. I I, I think I feel I get bad it, right? putting like, that burden on you. So let let, let me actually backtrack. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think she got it. Fine, yeah. fine, done. I think I got it. Sorry. <laughs> The, I think what is what what a healthy relationship is is what is defined by the two people in the relationship. Right. So if there is a relationship in which there's an agreement that look, uh, you know, I, I have a really close friend. I don't condone this remotely. Um, and I think I talk about it in the book. I can't remember, but. I don't condone this in any way, shape, or form, but I understand it. My, I have a really close friend. She and her husband have not had sex in 10 years. Mm. And she was like cresting up to menopause, right? And when that happens, we really want to have a lot of sex. It's like our bodies are screaming like, this is it. <laughs> this is it, folks. Last time to make babies. And like, you know, we 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 are like, we feel our sexuality and sexuality slipping away, yeah, right? I'm yeah. just saying it, it happens. Sense. 
Right. And she went to her husband numerous times and she was like, I have these needs. Like, I think we need to address this, whatever. And then they would go out and she would walk and she bought new lingerie and she would dress up and she would say, he would, she would say, you know, she would walk in the room and he'd be like, oh, you look nice. And then like (laughs) they'd go out to dinner and she's like, I just, she felt so barren Mm -hmm. and alone sexually. This man was her best friend. There was literally no one else she wanted to ride off into the sunset with. Yeah. But this was something that like, ah, and she had an affair again, don't condone it, but she did have an affair and it, I think it saved her marriage. She thinks it saved her marriage. It allowed her to like get now. This was not something that was communicated. This was not something that was agreed upon. If he ever found out he would be devastated and it, I think it did save her marriage. Right. And so this is sort of like, you know, um, um, Dan Savage has a similar, awesome. you know, feeling on this, right. That like, eh. but again, like if, if an open marriage is something that is discussed, like a healthy marriage is something that works for both people. If nobody else understands it and it's outside the bounds of cultural acceptability or understanding, who cares? Right. If it works for the two of you, then it works for the two of you. I I wish and I hope because I'm seeing more and more of this, more and more of couples that are opening up where it's like we're really Uh good parents together. We're really good partners. That's the hard part. I mean, I didn't have a partner in the parenting and then the the business of doing a family. Right. Right. That was where I wished I had a partner. Um, But like if you have that down and you're good at that and you're friends and you have that respect and communication, but you're just, you're romantically and emotionally not, you you need to break up. Like you're not into it anymore. I just wish that I think a lot of people are starting to understand that, but it's still like socially not acceptable. You can't be seen with this, you know, you can't be seen with someone other than your wife out in public or, you know, and the things that I you wonder how that's that. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder right. how that's going to change, because if you yeah. like well, the attitude I, you have you of like, what? if we're OK with it, who cares what people think? But it is hard to it's hard to cross sure. that threshold. But yeah. you know what's even better. But you know, what's even better is that like if you have teenage kids right now, they get it more they than probably anybody. get it. They do. <laughs> right. They're just, that's, a good that's how they are. Right. You know, there's Naturally so much more fluid. Yeah, they're they're right. so much more fluid than than we are and accepting and they're not jealous and oh, all right, you, you know, live your best life. You want to do that? Okay, cool. Like, but they talk about it. And that that, that equals happy well, kids. And, and that, also, that right there is one right. of the, the recipes we're talking about for happy. Yeah. For, for that's not you're saying is it divorce or this or that. Like right. you can I think there is a way to do it. It's about right. how you parent together and that's the important part. What goes on in your romantic right. relationship? I mean, you want to model a healthy relationship well, but, uh, to your kids, but these are—I I love all these suggestions, and I'm all for it. But I think, realistically speaking, and, and there's the public threshold that you got to get past and being able to say "fuck it," right? Like, I don't care what other people think. It's also about can you, in your head and your soul, also really reconcile this, and can you separate out that in many cases, sex is just sex. Right. It is a vehicle to the greater intimacy, Mm -hmm. which you're trying to preserve, which is the friendship. Right. We keep coming back to this, that really at the root of every marriage should be a deep and abiding friendship. Right. That's what you keep coming back to. Right. And the sex is the thing that helps that move that vehicle along in certain ways. I keep thinking about Mm -hmm. marriage story. Did you see that? 
Um, they end up having yeah. this big argument, mm-hmm. and she and and Scarlett mm-hmm. Johansson's character says you had sex with her, and Adam Driver's character says you shouldn't be upset that I had sex with her; you should be upset that I had a laugh with her, <laughs> right? In the sense that, yeah. like, what what are we really talking about? What is intimacy of a relationship, right? And what's That's the right. the real priority? And if you can recognize that and feel confident in the intimacy that you have, then then being able to have an open marriage in some ways really shouldn't be that much of a hurdle. Right, particularly if it preserves the marriage, right? And it brings right. you happiness right. and brings joy to everyone else. It's a small price right. to pay in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's so it's so interesting because I hear what you're saying, right? And I just know like for me personally, and this is where it's like the, the communication, it, like everything that we're talking about is yeah. in how we communicate, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And how well we know each other and how well we know ourselves. Because for me, I am someone who was raised i'm gen x i'm 53 like i was raised like i can't like i was raised in like you know i was not raised in monogamy by the way but um i was raised by divorced parents and my dad was like you know playa so (laughs) and maybe that's why like i i'm a i'm a serial monogamous well not even serial anymore like i'm a monogamous Mm. like i want that and to me sex is an expression of love and so for me i couldn't be i don't think i could be in an open relationship like i don't know maybe at 53 i could completely change my tune if i met the right person i don't think so but um i actually ask myself that question all the time right on the dating scene Uh, right is open marriage something that i would be willing to consider and as far as i'm as far as i can tell i would need to feel really in intimately and emotionally secure and confident in that relationship in order to open it up sexually, right? That's where I would need to be. And I, and I don't know if I necessarily would need to be an even like opportunity for that, but I would need to feel really secure in that way. Well, I don't know what that reveals about myself now, if there are any therapists listening, my point is to say like, yeah, okay. It is a little bit of a tangent, but if we're talking about staying away from divorce, right. Yeah. Part of the subject. Well, she has a whole section yeah. on right. not your fucking job. Right, right. <laughs> which I think is, you know, <laughs> a title for a section. It's great. But it's it's really, you know, I I love this this part about the research that's talking about the four heterosexual population groups. And I think I it's mean. fascinating <laughs> when you talk about <laughs> happiness. You say that in the uh, between married women, married men, single women and single men, the happiest population group is married men. And then the next mm-hmm. happy is single women, then single mm-hmm. men, then the least happy is population group. And I do have to say, I mean, I'm much happier single than I was married. Yeah. <laughs> and I and do, I can see about, that. I mean, I think it's, It yeah. says a lot about marriage as an institution when you've got the happiest population group is married men and the least happy is married women. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. Interesting. What uh? It, mm-hmm. So you know, when women are thinking about this, they agonize over four years, right? They're going through this whole kind of emotional thing internally, and they're you know like the ducks, right? They're cool and calm and collected on the top, and they're paddling right underneath the surface, really cr- in, in crazy ways. Um, what right. is the first step? What kind of first steps does any woman need to take when they're really uh, ready to make this decision about divorce? The first thing they need to do is to stop looking at the other person and, and examining and what he's doing and how is he doing it? Isn't he, and he's not doing the dishes and he's not doing this, blah, 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 blah. 
right? Like put that aside for a second and reconnect with self, um, capital S self, because first of all, you know, women, mothers, as mothers, we lose ourselves. Like we have no idea who we are anymore. We've had our, you know, body parts torn apart and, you know, and our, and our, our, our hearts are now walking as humans outside of ourselves. Like it's a whole thing. And so we have to like really figure out who we are. Um, and when you've been focusing on somebody else and what they're doing or not doing, and are they meeting my needs or do I have unreasonable needs and blah, 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 blah. You're again, you're sort of outwardly focused. And so I want to start with connecting back to self, that inner voice, like, okay, what do you know? Like, what do you know? Women's intuition is an incredibly powerful thing. There are entire institutions and systems designed around, you know, squashing it. So it's got to be real powerful. Um, we need to connect with it. We need to figure out like, you know what? And if, look, if, if what you know is he's a, he is a great guy. He's just not my great guy. Okay. You're actually allowed to choose that. You're actually allowed to live a life with somebody that you're crazy about, you know, um, you know, I also say, you know, if you're, if you're not crazy about the person, if, if you think he's a great guy, but you're not in love with him, right. He deserves someone who's going to be in love with him. You're keeping him from experiencing that. Um, but so we're going to, you know, connect with all of those things. What are your values now? Like maybe as an adult, like I'm, I'd never done values work before, right? Like when I was, and I went to coaching school and we started doing values work and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. I didn't know myself this way, right? Now I'm naming things about myself that I just maybe intuitively knew or maybe changed, right? And when I can name these things about myself, I can then sort of like put them on the chessboard of my marriage and go, oh, that's interesting because I believe this, this is my value really strongly over here. But my husband's value is completely opposite and that's okay mm. but that's a mismatch right and then you can start to name maybe where some of the mismatches are and that's you know look i'm not there's no make wrong there's no blame there's no um anything wrong with that it's just oh this doesn't align and you can just get sort of better clarity about those sorts of things yeah um by doing that work mm. And it's almost like checking in. I think that when you first meet and you get married and you're maybe you're young, you know, you feel like your values might be in the same place where you're like, we both want a family and we want to live here or there and this and that. But it's like, I do think women change so much when they have kids. There's We, we change do. so drastically. And yes, men definitely go through something when they become fathers. But I think it's it's there's just such a change where I think men sometimes are kind of like, where'd you go? What happened? What happened to my wife? She's a different person and and don't understand the change and the growth. And uh -huh. you have to kind of check in and have that moment again of like, what's important to me now? You know, and yeah. maybe it's not the same thing that was important to you when you first met. Well, so I, this is a very interesting conversation. And, and there's a joke that I remember uh, hearing early on in the divorce process, uh, which said that apparently it's an old Jewish joke. I don't know that that's true, but um, when people get married, Right. Men accept, expect that their wives are going to stay the same. Right. And women expect that their husbands are going to change. Uh, and so I think that speaks to the point that you're just talking about. Right. Maybe women go through that change at mother at, at becoming a mother. Yep. And, you know, men don't experience the same type of change. And there's a real difference there. 
Um, I, yeah. It's a, it's a self, well, it's because it, it all of a sudden be, you're putting these. It might be, but again, I would say that I think you both have your own equal experiences in the marriage and that like your own, you're both in your own worlds and those have to really be honored. I, I don't think it's, I, I don't know that it's worse for any one particular person, especially if you look at the way that they are impacted by larger mm -hmm, society mm -hmm. and, and what yeah. we expect of them. Well, KY, you I were talking about. That's interesting. Uh oh, she froze. Oh, this. no. What I was saying was that it's it's interesting that you what you were saying Noam because yeah. I think one of the things is that women tend to use their um nurturing their caretaking right these are like our party tricks and these are our relationship um we use it as bait to uh draw relationships to us certainly when we're younger right um <laughs> I remember dating someone in my 20s and I kid you not I had a fantasy about getting him all new socks and like keeping them clean and folded in a sock drawer that was a fantasy of mine like right like that's our sort of relationship currency is this nurturing and caretaking mm. and but then we have kids mm. right we do that throughout the relationship we get married and we nest mm -hmm. and we you know we want to have dinner parties and we cook and we sort of do this whole thing even if we're working right and then we have kids and we're like okay now let's get down to business and i think to your point men are like what <laughs> what i thought <laughs> like i bought into this other thing and we're like Oh no, no no now i have like an actual kid so now i need you to be a partner and i'm done taking care of you i, I, and, I hear that oh loud God. That's not I to hear... say they need us to take care of them but there is like there i mean I, I totally get it I, I, no i totally get that too and i don't encourage any man to feel entitled to feel like his wife is supposed to take care of him that's you, you didn't marry a mother right that's not what we're talking about you married someone to be a partner at the same time you know, any guy that's also become a partner is also need to confront his own inner drive in some way to be himself versus providing for his family. And there's no greater tension that a man mm, feels yes. at needing to fit in at work so he doesn't lose his job and to, you know, have that stuff um, tempted in some way or threatened in some way is actually yeah. a very difficult thing. So to think that guys aren't going through some type of evolution when they become oh, no, a parent, right, is inaccurate. They are. Sure. And they're going through right, in their own ways pressure. as a provider and protector. Yes. Right. Someone breaks into that house, who's getting up first to yes. beat the shit out of the mm -hmm. criminal? Right, with the baseball bat. In the TV shows, if we're talking about some type of... Stere man, but yeah. No, but hold on a second. If we're talking about stereotypical representations yeah. of people in pop culture, yeah. right, the man is typically the one who gets up with a baseball bat or whatever he needs, right, to go defend the household. Now, that might seem a little comical, but let's talk about it in reality for a second. That means you're potentially putting your life on the line to protect your family. And we can joke about it all you want. Right. But if we're talking about the vision of labor, right, and gender roles and how what people bring to the table, I totally agree that it's imbalanced and disproportionately laden on the women. No question about it. To discount a male experience as having to be a provider and protector as not also contributing to that partnership is misguided. A hundred percent. I don't think we're we're discounting that. Right, at but all. Uh, right, but what yeah. I'm saying is that like men go through that evolution totally. as parents, right? Yeah. Oh no, not at the all. Marriage. Yeah. Right. I get it. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. I mean, I, I hear that. I hear that loud and clear. That pressure. Um, as soon as you become a father, it's. I can imagine that it's like 
you get like, doo, doo. Right. <laughs> like that's exactly oh, right. Oh, there's armor. Oh that goes God, right? She's there's, getting real. There's armor that goes on when you become yeah, a yeah, father. Yeah. And not, and not sure. for your primary benefit well, either. So what Kate was saying, though, I think that women and I, oh, my God, I was just right. so relating to everything you were saying. But um, I think that a lot of the, the, the we enable it. We create some of yes, the problems absolutely. because just like you absolutely. said, I was like, oh, I have a house. I'm going to be a wifey. I'm going to make food for him. And then the baby's around right. and I'm busy and I'm like, and he says, what's for dinner? And I'm like, I make your own dinner. Figure it out. Like you start to be like, he's a grown up. Like he right. can do his own things. But what happened to a year before the baby was born, you were doing it for him. He got him kind of used to that. And that was nice for everyone. Right. And I was doing it with a, with a smile and out of, out of love. Right. And so that's our fault as women in a sense that we've created that expectation. We create an expect, we create an expectation in men and then we just take it away um, and expect them to with no communication, with no right. communication, the, the assumption, yeah. you know, we know yeah. what they say about that. Yeah. Right. The assumption that, oh, we're, you know, he's going to get on board and he's going to understand and he's going to, you know, figure out that this switch has happened, right. um, is not assumptions never work in marriage anyway. But at so. the same time, yeah. as a woman, you can't be held back by their inability to make that adjustment. I can't tell you how many times I hear female friends who go through divorce and their husbands aren't catching up to speed or their ex-husbands aren't catching up to speed and they're making their lives a living hell because not only do they have to like parent the kids, but they still have to parent their ex-husband and then needing to walk away from that guilt free and saying like, gig is into hate, right? As my softie used to say, go in good health and do your job as a parent. And that takes a lot for a woman to have to do. And that's, I mean, that can't be dismissed either. Otherwise known as not your fucking job, right? Like, first of all, if you're, if you're divorcing because you are sick and tired of doing the emotional labor and taking care of a, a, you know, a tantruming toddler of a husband, for God's sake, don't do it in while you're divorced. Right. Right. Like do not emotionally caretake the person that you divorced because you're sick of emotionally taking them right that's insane yeah that and that's not your fucking job you know and, and by the way the more you emotionally care take someone who doesn't the the more you keep them away from getting the, the that are go actually going to serve them right. better, right? If you're playing someone's therapist all the time, they don't need a therapist. You've got to create that space for them to actually show up in their own lives. And that's how you end up holding them accountable too. That's right. Okay, there right. were so many. That's right. I mean, so when you set boundaries with other, yeah. Sorry, no, I was just gonna say, when you set boundaries with people, you actually open up their ability to grow and expand in many of the ways that you were filling for them. Yeah. Well, you have a whole section on boundaries and your own setting your own boundaries, which is amazing. And there's so much more about your book that we'd love to get into. And it, there's just so much. And everybody just needs to get the book and read it. And I love that you have like actual exercises in there, parts to write in your own, you know, thoughts and answers. Um, it really is truly a guide, I believe. That can yeah. really help um, get started. And what do you think about, is it beneficial for men to read this book as well? I don't know. You tell me. No, I think yes? so. Absolutely. Okay. I, I'm getting Absolutely. a thumbs up. 
Absolutely. I think the yeah. way that Kate acknowledges what goes on in the home uh, is crucial for men to be aware of. I think the practices that she recommends, particularly in self-care, uh, is really helpful. It's just so that's got to be a primary practice for any guy. That's what I end up recommending nine times out of ten. I think men who are still married should read this book so I, that they do not get a absolutely. divorce. <laughs> well, and then also becoming aware of the emotion, division of emotional labor and yeah. domestic labor in the household so that they can also bridge that gap. It's, yeah. uh, it's a useful book for anyone. It really is. Thank, thank you for putting you. it together, Kate. Oh, thank you for writing it. Thank you so much. I mean, that means a lot, actually. Um, coming from a man and coming from you, I it, it does mean a lot to hear you say that. It's thank you. Absolutely. Do you want to? Do you have any final words you want to you want to share from the book? Something that we didn't we didn't cover, or um... something that would make a really good audio clip. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> um. You know, one of the things that I do talk about in the very beginning of the book and the introduction of the book is um, uh, permission. I have a whole section called permission in the introduction, and I sort of touched on it a little bit earlier, but I do want to say, you know, one of the things that's really difficult for women is this idea that we get to choose. Um, we are so used to putting everyone's needs before our own. And so I just want women to know that they get to choose, that that they get to live, we get to live happy lives. We don't have to, this this whole martyrdom sacrifice thing, it's bullshit, um, you know, like it just is. And we can be happy and you deserve to be happy. And, you know, I will forever quote Mary Oliver, like, what will you do with this one wild and precious life? This is it. Mm -hmm. It's like we are too, this life is too precious to spend in an unhappy and unhealthy relationship. It just is. I think about you know? women who are so, married 30, 40, 50 years and haven't experienced that okay. true love and passion and sex. And like, man, you're missing out. How sad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you say that, but it, it, it takes a while to get there, right? Yeah. You, you, you speak of like this really kind of like, embodied you and, know or and or just it does take a while just Listen, getting rid of like the toxic when I got out, right yeah right yeah when i got out like i'd never had i've never had so much sex right. as when i first got out of i mean like and now you know it's you know i don't what year is it it's a barren <laughs> wasteland but oh but it's a but it's a happier barren wasteland than the than the settling yeah wasteland yes. right yeah I think that's ultimately so, the point too. No. You, you know, you, I know for me mm -hmm. in thinking about relationships is I really want to do it right. I really I want to do it right the second time around. That's right. Yeah. And we learn so much uh, from the first time. I think that men who have gone through divorce have a different level for, re for respect, a uh, different level of respect for mothers now. And maybe there's a little bit of this like, oh, I get from in both ways. There's, you know, as much as my ex didn't do things around the house, once he was gone, I was like, wait a minute, I... Uh, Oh, yeah, there was this and there was that. And mm -hmm. like you you have a little bit of that moment and men go through it too. Absolutely. Big time. Absolutely. So I think if anything, it just makes you better the second time around. Really does. Uh, or third or fourth or however many times uh, it takes. <laughs> no, come on. <laughs> however many times it takes someone, I don't know. <laughs> Kate, it was absolutely wonderful having you as a guest on this show. Thank you so much. Um, uh, friends, don't forget to look out for Kate's book. Uh, the D word. Uh, you can also find Kate on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide, uh, on Facebook at Your Divorce Survival Guide, on TikTok at The Divorce Survival Guide, and her website, kateanthony.com.
Thank you so much for having us. Happy holidays, Kate. Yeah, a little confusing, but <laughs> thank you so much. You too. Absolutely. Maybe we'll maybe we'll see you again soon. Absolutely. That would be lovely. We'd love it. Take care. If you're interested in becoming one of our sponsors or have questions and thoughts about the podcast, please email us at the Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com. And you can always find us on social media at the Jewish Divorce Project on Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like to work with me, I specialize in divorce coaching for women. I can be found at mydivorceconcierge.com and on Facebook and Instagram at mydivorceconcierge. And if you're interested in working with me for divorce coaching or spiritual coaching, I work with people of all kinds, of all backgrounds as well. My email address is noamrauscher at gmail.com. That's N-O-A-M-R-A-U-C-H-E-R at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram at noamrauscher.